wonderful time of worship. Such an awesome God, so faithful, so generous, so kind. Such an awesome God we serve. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, we have a few people in the house today. And I can understand it's really rainy out there. Heavily, yeah. So it's one of those days you just want to get under your, you know, under your, uh, you know, on your couch or, you know, on your bed and maybe just watch it on, uh, if you have a TV in the, in the room, right? Or maybe just get your iPad by the side of the bed and just uh, watch the service, you know. But uh, I want to say thank you to, to those of you who are here tonight. God bless you. Amen. I'm sure a few people will, will still coming. All right. They're coming in. The traffic is slowing us down a little, but we praise God. Amen. So good evening, good evening, good evening. Thank you for coming. So we are going to conclude... Uh, we're going to do part four of our message series uh, that we've started called Life-Changing Prayers. Uh, maybe uh, we could call it uh, Pauline Prayers. You know, that would be a generic uh, topic to, to, you know, to call this Bible study. It will be Life-Changing Prayer, all right? I mean, it will be Pauline Prayer, uh, even though we've kind of really called it Pauline prayer, I mean, life-changing prayer, because they are life-changing. Uh, we can also, we could also call these spirit-inspired prayers, all right? If I want to give it another topic, I would say spirit-inspired prayer or Pauline prayer. Uh, but we've decided to call it life-changing prayer because I believe they are life-changing. Uh, they are prayers that if we pray them uh, consistently uh, with with passion, uh, with uh, effectiveness, and constantly, uh, they will bring a life change. They will change your life. And that's really, you know, why we've been talking about it. Amen. All right, so you should all have the outline if you are here. Amen. And for those of you who are watching, uh, you know, I will imagine we'll have a Huge crowd online today. Uh, you should have a copy of the of the outline. It's, you know they've dropped it in there for you. By the way, you can go to the website if you if you scroll down below Bible study. It will take you to the Bible study page. You actually can download all these things. You, so you can send it to your friends. Uh, you know they will be able to download the outline. They can you know. There's a link there also to go watch them on YouTube for future. Our media ministry, they are doing an amazing job to make sure we have all these resources available, not just one time. In those days, it will just be a one-time thing. You come to Bible study, that's it. Maybe it could be recorded on a CD, you buy them. Uh, but now, you know, they are just available uh, everywhere, and we thank God for that. And I hope we are taking advantage of that. I remember even in this church on Sunday, people used to go queue by the bookstore to buy the CDs. <laughs> if that was your business, I'm sorry, you're, you're out of business now, right? You know, nobody buys CDs anymore. But it used to be 
the main thing at our bookstore was sell on Sunday. They would sell, you know, 50, whatever, 100, whatever, CD, depending on the type of message. But today we have everything for free. You don't have to pay anyone. It's, it's done, you know, it's, it's there. You can assess them. But we don't know. Maybe less people or more people. I think uh, we have to see how that is working out. Okay. All right. I think uh, maybe I should remove this. It's touching the, you know, I should take this out. All right. Okay, so tonight, let's pray. Father, we thank you because you're good, you're faithful. Thank you because your word is life, your word is yes, your word is amen. Your word transforms, your word brings healing, your word brings light, your word brings renewal of our mind, your word enlightens, illuminates, your word can save us. The scripture says, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Your word can save us. Your word is like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. Your word is even compared to like a fire. So we ask that your word will come tonight with its potency, with its power, with its grace, and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So welcome to part four of uh, Life-Changing Prayer Bible Study Series. Uh, I want to start by summarizing what we've covered so far in the past, in the first three parts. In part one, we look at Ephesians 1, 17 to 21, which is the prayer of Apostle Paul. You know, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in his knowledge, right? That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the uh, exceeding riches uh, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, which he wrought in us who believe according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when you raised up from the dead. All those things, we covered that. We, and we said that kind of really focuses on the knowledge of God, spiritual wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And that's what the revelation of the knowledge of God and God, everything God has for us in Christ. And that's an amazing prayer. That is a really powerful prayer. Part two, we look at chapter 3, 14 to 21. And that prayer focuses on two things. Our inner man, the strengthening of our inner man, and knowing and experiencing God's love. And he said, those two will help us, uh, you know, to be filled with all the fullness of God. That's, that's, that's what that prayer is all about, you know, that prayer, uh, Ephesians 3 prayer. Then last week, which is part three, we look at the Colossians, we look at three different prayers. Uh, Colossians 1 9, you know, uh, 9 to 14, really. Then Philippians, you know, 1. We have two smaller passages there. Uh, those prayer, the Colossians really focus on being filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, right? you know, so focuses on that. Then 
Philippians, especially 9 to 11, talks about uh, abounding in love, all right, more and more. And I think that's a very, very powerful prayer. Uh, he's praying that our love will abound more and more in knowledge, in our discernment, that we may approve or that you may approve things that are excellent. Uh, you know, so that, so we cover all these prayers. I try to summarize them. Uh, you know, I mean, I try to personalize those prayers, you know, just the way you should pray them. Uh, you know, and I think that's, you know, if you can go online, this will be online. Maybe you copy them, put them on your phone. That's an easy way to do it. Put it in your notes. You just take it and pray it for yourself. Uh, that's, you know, that's a good way to start. And I think if you pray it over and over again, they become something you can pray by heart. You know, they, and if you pray it by heart over and over again, they become things you can even pray in your spirit. Pray while you're, you know, Sometimes you find yourself just somehow just they, they bubble in your heart. There's a way these things, you know, they, they are, your heart is so much filled with them that anytime you think of praying, this become your own language too, right? I think that is really uh, the goal here. Uh, praise Jesus. All right, so let's try to read them. I would like us to read them together. In chorus, so we're going to do uh, Ephesians 1 17 to 21 as it's written there. So let's go 1 2. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. That's, you know, that's the Ephesians 1 prayer. Let's go to Ephesians 3. Uh, this one, 16 through 21. Let's go 1, 2. That he will grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in my inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, and that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that I may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that I ask or think, according to the power that works in me, to him the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right, so we're going to do Colossians 1. Let's do Colossians 1, 9 through 14. 
For this reason, I pray that I may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that I may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified me to be partakers of the inheritance on the saints in the light. He has delivered me from the power of darkness and conveyed me into the kingdom of his son of his love, in whom I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in me we complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's do the last one, Philippians 1, 9 and 11, 9 to 11. And this I pray, that my love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that I may approve the things that are excellent, that I may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. These are, man, powerful stuff. Powerful, powerful stuff. And I want to remind you, what we said will be the result of praying and confessing this prayer. As you pray this prayer, two things will begin to happen. Number one, the revelation of the truth of the prayer will begin to drop in your heart. Not only are these prayers, these are mysteries of God, all right, that are presented in form of prayer. So you are not just praying, you are interacting with divine mysteries. Yeah. You are interacting with revelational truths. Each of these statements can be a whole series. <laughs> that, so that's why interacting with this is really, you know, it's so weighty, so powerful, you know, deep stuff. They have such a great hold on your heart when you pray them uh, because the, the truth, you know, begin to come gradually. You know, you see that every time, each time, a different light bulb will turn on, you know, to different aspect of this. So that is, they are very, very powerful. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, as a result of this, your life begins to reflect the powerful intent of this prayer. Because they are spirit-inspired prayer, you know, you see that they, God begins to answer this prayer progressively in your life, you know. These are not prayer that has, boom, one answer. These are prayer that God begins to progressively, right, you know, just, you know, rot this thing, begin to rot this thing in our life gradually. And you begin to see, uh, you know, yourself really becoming what, you know, reflecting the intention of this prayer. 
All right. Uh, so I will I will offer any challenge to anyone here who can who can read any of this prayer. Pick one. If has anyone memorized any of this prayer, and you can stand up and just read them. Where's my where's our winner last week? She's not here. I brought her gifts. Wow, okay. I'll give her a gift later. I wanted to give it to her publicly. But maybe she'll still be here. Maybe she'll still get here. So do I have anyone that wants to, that is able to read this? Who wants to try? All right, does he want to try? All right, okay. So wait, we need a mic. Which one? Okay. I pray that through his glorious and unlimited resources and Christ will empower you to give us strength through the Spirit. That through his Spirit, that Christ will make his home in my heart as I trust in him. And as through my and his love and I would be grounded in love in Christ. That I may have the power to understand as all God's people should, how high, how wide. that I'll experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand completely, and I'll be made complete with all fullness and life that comes from God. Now, glory to God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask, more than I can ask or think. All glory to him through Christ, through the church in Christ from generations to generations. Amen. Amen. Wow, that's good. All right. Any other person? All right. Is anybody raising their hand? Okay, so I have, let me bring my gift out so I see which one fits. All right, I only have two, sorry. So, so which one do you want? Okay, all right, that, that works. All right. All right. That's good. So, the process of memorizing this, what, can, you expl- can you tell us, I want you to say something, the process. What, what did you think you experienced in the process of memorizing this? Or how does it make you feel? I think for me also, can you use the mic well? Uh, yes, I think even personalizing. Can, we, can we increase the volume? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I think reading the scriptures and then personalizing it just kind of put me that place where it's like this is God talking to me like and the, this scripture specifically talking about the love of God and just us growing in the understanding of the love of God and just adding like me like it, it's just a new revelation that this is God talking to me and I can experience all all that he wants me to experience and I think for me just every day the way that I memorize it would say it every day before I go to bed and like you said I'm driving and the scriptures are coming to mind and I'm reading them over and over and over and again. It's so personal to me. Amen. Amen. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Amen. All right. Okay. We have a number of people online. We have a good crowd on our YouTube channel. Unfortunately, you cannot be part of this challenge, right? There's no way to ask you to recite. You're just going to copy and paste it there, and that's it, right? So everybody can copy and paste. So there's no, your feedback is through typing, so unfortunately. But 
I think uh, the whole goal is to do this for yourself anyways, right? The whole goal is for you to take this, try to personalize it, and, you know, pray it continuously. You know, you know doing it regularly is just really going to bring such a richness to your life. All right, so we're going to go to the next page. Today we, we conclude our series by looking at a few prayers from First and Second Thess- uh, Thessalonians. These are not the very major prayer. I would say the three major prayers of Apostle Paul are really the Ephesians 1, uh, you know, 16 through 21, or 17 through 21, Ephesians 3, and the Colossians 1, 9 to 11. Those are the three major, if you want to say major or minor, the, you know, you know, prayers. The rest are not as long, not as exhaustive, but they are also very powerful, uh, depending on which one, you know, God brings to you or where you are. So it's good to have all these, at least know where they are, put them on your notes, and every once in a while, you know, when you're praying, just go through them. I think that's, you know, so we're going to look at them. Uh, uh, they, they, are, they are powerful, and they can come in handy when you add, you know, in your prayer asana. Everybody should have them in their prayer asana where, you know, you use them. So the first one is in First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 to 13. Uh, just to put it in context, I will read, For what thanks can we render to God for you? This is Paul talking to them now. For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11 is really where the prayer ends. I mean, begins. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So Dami, okay, Dami is here. Welcome. I was waiting. I was asking for you. You should come and receive your gifts. All right. Come and receive your gifts. Thank All right. God bless. So, so the, the, the main thrust of this prayer is actually found in verse 12, really. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. You know, love is a supernatural attribute, right? That requires us to pray. So I'll stop that, number one. But I have a question here that I want to throw out. If you've noticed that a lot of Apostle Paul's prayer has to do with love, right? In knowing the love of God, that your love increase, that your love abound, right? That you may abound in love, you know. So there's a lot of, you know, even in Philippians 1, 9, that, you know, you know, Love may abound still more and more. In Ephesians chapter 3, even went much deeper. You may know the, the length, the height, the depth of the love of God that passes knowledge. 
Now here he's also saying, the Lord will make you increase and abound in love to one another. So, why do you think many of the theme of Paul and prayer is about love? Anybody? Thank you, sister. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. That's good. I will want more answers from, from, the, from the audience. Why do you think? All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Without the Holy Spirit. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. If you hear this gospel, it's like what Jesus said. And in those last days, the love of men will mm. waxing cold till wow. I read that verse and I got a bucket of Holy Spirit cold water on me and it teaches me to get away from Jesus throwing the temper tantrum in the courtyard of the temple Amen. that's not his mission for me mm-hmm. and as Paul's teaching us Jesus' mission for us in the Holy Spirit in order to transform into his likeness is to learn about this abounding love and grace that's in God. You know, uh, and the love that casts out all fear. So she put it very beautifully. And, you know, um, I learn a little bit. I go back two steps. I learn a little bit. The Holy Spirit moves me forward so it's all learning more and more about the love and the grace that we all actually have lock stock and barrel in the Mm. new covenant in the resurrected Christ you know and hopefully eventually I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind thank you amen amen any other person what all right Thank you. I think that's well said, but I just want to add a little bit, and I'm going from my personal experience. I think when you know the love of God, it's like a light that kind of shines through. And why do I say that? 
the love of God in itself is so sacrificial. When you're able to experience that love is something that is inner. It is a lot easier for you to show for that type of love. And why do I say that? I think Jesus Christ himself, in majority of his preaching, he'll ask his disciple, which are the greatest commandment? The first one was to love the Lord your God. And then the second is to love human. And I think it's very easy when you know the love of God and you know God for yourself to love because love is sacrificial. Because men will do things to you and you just want to say, okay, God, if not for God and me, right? But when that love is there, it covers a lot of the stuff that will be pushed to your face. Mm. So I feel Paul knowing that he was a murderer. I mean, the guy was just a... He was just nasty. I mean, he was a man that bullied a lot of Christians. He had killed a lot of a lot of them. And for him, going to kill more, to experience that type of love when Jesus tells him, why are you persecuting my people? I think for him, it was probably just an awakening for him. Like, whoa, I've done all this to you, oh God, but you can still take me? Wow, okay. I think it's very imperative that I share my love, um, which, is the, which is the real true gospel. That's great. Thank you. So I'll do now a follow-up question. Why is it important to pray about loving God and loving others? I mean, why, why should that be our prayer point? I mean, I don't, I mean, I mean, like, this is constant. Why should that be our, you know, why, sh- why is it important? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's so hard to love. It's so hard. Love is something that it takes a lot as human. So if we, if we don't ask God to help us to love, there's no way we can love. Yeah. And one of the things that makes us to love is if we experience that love. Wow. There's something that love does to us. It delivers. I'd, I'd like to share this experience. I was, um, I, I, I was in a, meet, a prayer meeting with some, with some people, like some older people in grace, and they were ministering the love of God to me. You know, I felt like, you know, they were, we were all praying. It was a prayer meeting and the prayer was going on. But as soon as there was a ministration of the love of God and somehow it, my spirit caught that love, I didn't know. I was just saying, oh, my God, I'm free. I, I felt this, this light, just like she said. I felt like, oh, my God. Like, I felt lightweight. Like, everything that was in my, my mind, all the body just left me. I'm like... I just screaming, oh, I'm free. Oh, the love of God. There's something about the love of God that if we just have to pray about it, God is the only one that can teach us how to love. And if we don't ask him, the Bible says God is love. If we don't ask him to help us to love, we cannot love. And you know, human beings, oh my God. (laughs) So hard to deal with humans. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It looks like Pastor Paul has something to say. I think... It's important to pray about loving God and loving others because that's the greatest sign that we have encountered God. Hmm. That is the greatest sign that we have experienced the saving knowledge of Jesus. Hmm. You know, God is love. And anyone who had really, really you know, met him will have no choice than to show God love and to love the brethren. Mm. It says, uh, 
the scripture my sister was referring to, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Mm -hmm. he, he that loveth not, knoweth not God. God. For God is love. Amen. Once you know God, you will want to love him and love the people around you. Amen. So the greatest commandment is love. I mean, so it's not like we can escape it. I mean, that is, in fact, in, in uh, Matthew 22 is where we have the greatest commandment, right? Matthew 22, 36 uh, to 37 to 40. Jesus said, uh, you know, the greatest commandment is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength. And he said the second is, is, is like the first one, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on this hangs all the laws and the prophets, which is all the scriptures really. So if there's something that really God is looking for is love. God himself is love, right? He that loves not does not know God. Anyone that does not love does not know God, all right? So love is really the essence of the Christian expression, all right? Love is the essence of our relationship with God. We must know God. We can't love unless we know how much we are loved, right? So that is important. So we can kind of summarize really, you know, everything with love. So love is really powerful. Now, but the love we are talking about is a spiritual love, is agape love, right? It is not the kind of love that can be, that is possible through our force of will, all right? It's not human strength. It's not emotion, right? It's, it's a spiritual thing. It's, uh, it requires the supernatural help of God to be able to love the way God wants us to love. I mean, so, so that's why really I think a bulk of our prayer should really focus on love, loving God, right? And I think and being able to love other people. So, I, I go back to this in verse 12. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. And may the Lord make and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. All right. Look at what it, that's that's the prayer is, you know, in love for one another and to all. So we should really, in fact, the Bible says, even faith works by love. Our faith is nullified when we are not working in love. You see, working in love is really, I mean, most believers don't know this. Working in love is the essence of being a believer. All right, working in love. I mean, if you work in love, you've obeyed all the commandments. Now, you cannot work in love by, without knowing how much you're loved by God. And those two things are deep. And that's why, Ephesians 3 prayer is so powerful, right? You know, I mean, just to know the love of God, you know, to know how wide, how, how, how deep, how high is the love of God that passes knowledge. Then we are able to abound, right? We are able to increase and abound in love to one another and to all. So, you know, love is so important. That's why a lot of these prayers you know, they just really circle and circle around love. 
Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 1, you know, verse 9 says, I pray that your love may abound still more and more. Now, obviously, these people are already walking in love, right? <laughs> you know, they're already walking in love. Apostle Paul said that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge. Knowledge of love of God causes our own love to abound more and more. So, uh, Paul is just fixated about love when you look at a lot of his prayer. You know, loving God and loving others because that is the essence. We cannot be believers. We cannot experience true healing. We cannot experience true freedom without knowing the love of God. We cannot truly be in fact, I think in, in Ephesians 3, in Ephesians 3 verse, um, verse 19, when he says, to know the love of Christ, I go back to, to the first bit now, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. So look at what he said, that you, I, I, I've repeated you with I there, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, it is in knowing the love of God that you are what? Filled with all the fullness of God. What, how does NLT put that? Because you are an NLT girl, so you'll be the, anytime we want NLT, we go to you. How does uh, Ephesians 3, 19? It's may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So look at what love does to us. Just knowing the love of God does that to us. So no wonder Paul is so caught up with just praying. I think our prayer should just be constantly around knowing the love of God and abounding in this love to others, right? It's almost like we're filled with God's love and we're able to release this God's love to others. I think it's really, really powerful. All right. The second part of his prayer is so he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is in verse 13. That God may establish your heart blameless in holiness before God. I mean, this prayer obviously is addressing a major expectation of God for us, which is holiness, right? Hebrews 12, 14 says, you know, without holiness, no man shall see God. First Peter 1, 15 uh, and 16 talks about, uh, be ye holy as, uh, as I am holy. As he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversations, right? As it is written, be holy as I'm holy. So Paul is converting that to prayer here and asking that we, God, will establish your heart blameless in holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's First Thessalonians 3. So the key prayer here is actually verse 12 and 13. I started from now just to, uh, you know, to, to give you context. But if you're going to really memorize this prayer, you're just going to say, you know, that, you know, Father, help me to increase more and abounding love, right, to others, to my fellow believers, to everybody. 
you know, that I, you know, and establish my heart blameless in holiness before you, the Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the prayer point here that you are going to pray for yourself. All right, we're going to go to the next one, also chapter 5 of First Thessalonians. Chapter 5 of First Thessalonians is another very powerful prayer point. You know, this is fairly popular, and most likely most of you have heard of it. Uh, verse 23 and 24. Uh, can we all read it together? One, two, go. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Will we also do it? So this is a prayer that is praying for the Ephesians. I said it's a prayer that centers around sanctification. All right, sanctification and holiness are two sides of the same coin. Right, uh, you can't be holy without being sanctified. Right, being sanctified means to be separated, to be set apart. All right. It is being set apart that makes us to be holy. If you are not fully set apart to God, you can be holy, you can be pure, you can be clean. And when you are holy, then you end up being more set apart, right? <laughs> so they, are both, they, both, they both feed each other, right? And you can increase in both. So as you increase in your sanctification, right? you increase in your holiness. As you increase in your holiness, you increase in your sanctification. So, uh, so Apostle Paul knows that. And he said, may the God of peace sanctify you completely, set you apart for himself completely. Uh, but he went further and saying, may your whole spirit, soul, and body. That means this sanctification is even in levels. It involves our spirit, soul, and body. You know, maybe we should talk about that a little bit. What do you think he's talking about? That may, the, you know, may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless. Is it, you know, what is he talking about? Why is he going that deep? My sister wants to say something. She's very deep. Anytime she opens her mouth, she's saying deep stuff. Right, Pastor Paul? I just want to try <laughs> Thank you. Um, like you were, you were saying, uh, talking about the sanctification, you know, the more, we, the more we are holy, the more God is sanctifying us. And this scripture came to mind, all things are lawful, all things are not, all things are not expedient. I hope mm -hmm. I'm saying that right. Okay, so um, Paul is saying, he's praying that we get to that point where all the parts of our body, spirit, soul, and body is sanctified, is holy. You know, as Christians, as we grow every day, God keeps giving us different um, instruction. Okay, maybe yesterday he would allow us to do a certain thing. Tomorrow, because we have aspired or we have gone um, deeper, he says, this is not this, this particular thing, don't do it. You know, so that makes, that brings a kind of transformation. Not just by our spirit, our body, our soul begins to, you know, you know, begins to go from one glory to another. You know, our attitude, our character, what's, what's we, uh, what appeals to us before 
begins to, you know, we begin, we're not, we're no longer appeal to those kind of things again. You know, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a deep process. It's, it's something that, you know, it's something that, okay, sometimes you do some things and, you know, you're not, you're not really, you don't really feel, um, feel, uh, uh, guilty about it. I'll give, I'll give a practical example. I'm someone that is very practical. Um, I, I, something happened at work yesterday. I work with, with um, little children. And um, this particular child has been a little bit difficult. And I was so, I was so, you know, I was so challenged by the, the behavior that she was bringing up. So I was, I was really feeling so bad. And that time my sister called me and I said, oh, I did something to this child that I feel so bad. Like when I got home, I couldn't shower, I couldn't eat. I was feeling so bad. Like I was feeling so guilty. I couldn't even pray. And it wasn't something, it wasn't such a big deal, but I just felt I reacted in a very, you know, abnormal, in a way that normally you want to react. So my sister was telling me, she said, it's a good thing you feel this way. That shows that something is going on in you because if you have a reprobate mind, you don't feel like, you know, something is happening. So I'm just giving that example just to try to explain what I'm saying. Like, you are transformed. Your body, your soul, your will, everything is just like... Some things that you can do before you, you can just do it and it's normal. It becomes like, I can't do this. You can't even, you, you can't even feel, feel free to tell a lie. As simple as, you know, white lie or red lie or whatever lie it is. You don't want to, you can't say that. You feel guilty when you do something little. When you look at somebody in a very repulsive manner or in your heart, you think about somebody in a very evil way. And no, nobody sees it. You start feeling guilty about it. I think that's the, that's the point where sanctification, body, spirit, and soul comes in. Thank Amen. you. All right. Thank you. Let me, before I come back, we have to come back to this and talk about it a little bit. I just want to honor our audience. So we have a lot of people, like 81 people watching on, uh, on uh, YouTube, by the way. And we don't know what that translates to. Sometimes it's couple of hundred because our families do watch this together so uh, we want to respect them too and just give them some audience many of them have been really saying stuff especially on our first question uh i like what some of them have been saying mommy idaosa was responding to the question of love and he said love is the basis of our faith with love we practice good ethics so that's why love is important Mercy said, because those are two greatest commandments. Without loving God and others, we ain't enter, we're not going to enter heaven. So mercy really brings us to that. that heaven is, uh, our heaven might be threatened if we don't love. So clearly we must love. Glory said, because it goes against our natural human nature to love. So we need God's help. That's why we have to pray. So it's not something we can do on our own. All right, thank you. Sister Talk said it is the basis of, for the gospel and our salvation. And she referenced 1 Corinthians 13, that he says love never fails. So that's, you know, those are some of the comments. Great comments, by the way, online audience. God bless you. Uh, we don't have a lot of people on Facebook. We have a few people on uh on our, on our website, the Agape House Online. Mika says, because the Bible says God is love. Yeah, so that's a good one. The Bible says so. All right. 
So we go back to this one that is saying, I love what, uh, I mean, what she said. She said, she said it well, by the way. Thank you for that contribution. But she's saying, I mean, the scripture is saying here that our spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Why does he have to go that specific? Spirit, soul, and body be, be made or be kept blameless. I think grace has something. We're giving you your good work to do. That's a good, that's your payback for having not been in Bible study for a while. So maybe that's how we'll do it now. Okay. So um, for me, I definitely, this is very sequential. There are steps to it. And I feel a lot of the time for, let's go with an unbeliever that just, finally just accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. So the physical appearance sometimes might not look as one that has accepted the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, when he or she begins to fellowship with God, you're going to see a reflection in their behavior. You're going to mm. see a reflection even in what they wear and how they speak. As we've been learning, I think three weeks ago when I was here, when a question was raised that what was our inner man? Our inner man was a spirit. Mm -hmm right, inside of us. So I feel like Paul is really breaking this down. For reflection to the body to be manifested, you need that inner man, which is your spirit, to really be sanctified mm. and set aside for God. Now, this transcends into your soul. Our soul is our intellect. It's our personality. It's our whatever it is you want to call it. So I feel if your spirit man already has been sanctified and set aside for, good, for God's work and for his will, you know the love of God, it transcends into the way you reason. It mm. transcends into the way you talk. And at the list of it, it begins to transcend into the way your body appearance shows. Mm. So if we're saying, why does he really say and give us this three steps? I think it will be because it is a gradual step. It's not something that you just get into and your body appearance shows. And when you have been really purified and you're clean, you're holy, you have God's love, you have his fullness, you will be blameless <laughs> at judgment seat. There is no way you're going through that fire that you're not going to pass it flawless. Um, you will not pass it flawless if there was a comma or a question mark to your work as a believer. So I feel that's probably why he said, if all this three facet of your life is actually sanctified and purified for God's um, kingdom, then you certainly will be blameless. Amen. Thank you. So I like to read the contemporary English version of that. I pray that the God who gives peace make you completely holy. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept healthy and faultless. Faultless. All right? Without fault. Kept healthy and faultless. And in the, the Passion Translation says, May your entire being, spirit, soul, and body, be kept completely flawless. To be flawless, spirit, soul, and body. Wow. I think that's... Uh, to be blameless, to just, you know, I think he's, you know, I mean, I think he's addressing a process, it looks like, right? The process even of our sanctification. Sanctification itself is a process, right? It involves spirit. Our spirit is sanctified. You know, we can even claim he's sanctified at salvation, right? Uh, you know, but... The Bible talks about renewing of mind. You know, that's 
you know, that's also sanctification of the mind, right? You know, it translates to our soul or our mind, our emotion. Uh, we can, to a great extent, we can say a lot of believers, your spirit is sanctified at salvation. Even though it, there's, there's, a, there's an instantaneous aspect, there's a continuous access, uh, aspect to even our spirit. But for the most part, we receive a new spirit, right? But to the degree in tra it translates to how we live, is a big part of it, right? Uh, you know, so it, it, it must translate into our mind, our thinking, even our emotion. Some people are not sanctified in their emotions, right? The, the, the emotion is all over the place. It's not, it's not a godly emotion. You know, they are not processing things or sanctified in our thinking. Our process of thinking is not godly. You know, there's a conflict between your thinking. Has it ever happened to you that you're thinking something, but your spirit is disagreeing with how you are thinking, right? You just know that your spirit does not like that's that's where conscience works, right? When your conscience bothers you, you know what is happening because your spirit knows what is right. And your mind is trying to do what is not right. So there is a fight between your spirit and your mind. That's what we that's where when we have that. Even without anybody finding you out. But you are dying inside, right? Because and that happens to believers. We are the ones that suffer that, right? You're dying inside. Even thinking bad about somebody can cause your conscience to feel so bad. Why am I hating somebody or feeling bad about somebody? Because your mind is not sanctified. Your spirit is sanctified. Then it goes to actions. All right? Your mind can be sanctified. Sometimes you know what is right, but your actions are not supporting what is in your spirit, what is in your mind. So Paul is praying that I want you to experience this whole spectrum of sanctification. Sanctification goes from my spirit, my soul, to my body. And he's saying, I want you to be flawless, not just... And, and sometimes you have people who act right, but their heart is not right too, right? You know, so, so, or, so he's saying you must be in agreement. So for, you, for you to be a truly... Blameless person, blameless person. I think James was saying if anyone does not offend in his words, right, he's a blameless. But I think he's assuming that words reflect hearts. Because some people know how to say what is right. But their hearts, they are cursing you in their heart, but they are saying, God bless you. So the action is right, you know, but their heart not right. We must have an agreement our heart, how we think towards God, towards people, towards things, how what we say, how we act, God wants us to be faultless. That's a, that's a tall order. How many of us agree? That's not, that's not an easy stuff. That's why it requires prayer. I said, there's so many things we don't pray about. There are really things we're supposed to be praying about. I mean, there, sometimes we pray about even the easy stuff. That's why the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These are kingdom stuff. These are serious stuff. He said all other things shall be added. Sometimes we focus on the same request of the Gentiles that will be granted to us anyway when we should grow for the big things. Amen. 
So, so that's the prayer. I think the prayer is really, really, this prayer is, is, is powerful. So let's move on to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We have two verses there that we are going to read, uh, which is also prayer. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of his calling. I think we've, we've, we've experienced this before, right? And fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Wow. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and in him according to the grace of our Lord and the Lord Jesus, of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, so that's, that's prayer here. The God will count you worthy. So I put NLT there. He said, he put it as to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. All right? You know, he's praying that God will enable them. God will give them the power to live a life that reflects his call. You know, God's calling over our life is a high calling, right? It's a call of, it's a holy calling, right? It's a call unto, uh, you know, it's a call to many things. It's a call to be ambassador for, to Christ, for Christ. Call to represent him. Uh, so that call, it is impossible to fulfill. That's why a lot of people hide that they are Christian because instinctively they kind of knew that. I mean, they know that it's a higher con. Once you tell people I'm a believer, right, at work or everywhere, all of a sudden they expect something from you. They expect you to, you know, to do better and they can begin to challenge you, right, if they see that you are not matching, you know. So, so that's why we should pray as believers that God will enable us, right, to live a life worthy of his call. To people and to God himself, you know. We don't want God to be disappointed. That, you know, I've put so much in you, right? I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you all these teachings, right? I want your life to reflect that. His call is higher. His call is here. His calling, you know, God calls us. Have you read the scripture where the Bible will call us saints? Right, right, saints. It's, it's called us saints, right? Inheritance of the saints. You know, it calls us, you know, God's holy people. Wow, that's, you know, that's a, that's a high calling. You know, his call is here but we don't want to be here, right? We want to be here. This is his calling. This is how I'm living. But that's not something that will happen by itself, right? That requires our prayer. And that's why we pray this prayer, that, you know, God will enable us to live a life worthy of his call. The second thing that, uh, thing that I says here is that I got, we fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. So I also had, like how the NLT put this way, said, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things 
your faith prompts you to do. Wow. You know, all the good things that your faith prompts you to do, he's saying, may God give you the power to accomplish them. In Jesus' name, amen. I think that's a powerful, that's a powerful stuff. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Uh, so I think these are, these are great prayer uh, that we should all uh, pray. I think they will, they will bless us. And the last thing is that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our Lord, of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So these are great prayers. Uh, I will encourage you and challenge you to take this in, you know, personally and uh, work on this. I will read my conclusion. Pauline prayers are rich, powerful, exhaustive, and effectual. They, we can categorically say they are inspired by the Holy Spirit because all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, right? 2 Timothy 3.16 says that. And they reflect what is in the heart of the Holy Spirit for us, which should be our priority as we pray. That's why these teachings that we've done over these four weeks, very, very important. You know, this is what Paul says in Romans 8.27, Romans 8.26 and 27, you know, the Bible says, uh, we do not know how to pay, pray, right? For the Spirit helps our weaknesses, but we do not know how to pray as we ought to, right? But the Spirit uh, makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. In verse 6, he says, He that, you know, searches the heart, you know, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. I love that verse, passage, by the way. So I think it's reflecting the same here when he's saying, he who searches our heart, that is God who searches our heart, knows the mind of the Spirit, you know. That is, see, the Holy Spirit is also our intercessor. You know that, right? Even Jesus is our intercessor. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, intercession for us, right? So Jesus is an intercessor. The Holy Spirit is an intercessor. He prays for us. So the Bible says God knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people, right, in accordance with the will of God. So the Holy Spirit, and that's why praying in the Holy Spirit, like praying in tongues, is, is awesome. It is the Spirit praying. The Bible says when I pray in the Spirit, my spirit prays. You see, my understanding is unfruitful, but my spirit is praying. So this, my spirit is praying through the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit is praying using my spirit. Hallelujah. But also when we pray this Pauline prayer, we are also praying the mind of the Holy Spirit. Right? You know, so, so when we pray this prayer, we are using the language of the Holy Spirit which comes from the mind of the Holy Spirit, and we are bound to get tremendous results. All right? And that's really why, you know, we've done these studies, 
to really help us to really learn the language of prayer, spirit-inspired prayer, life-changing prayer, the prayer that is in the heart of the Holy Spirit. So I, I want to challenge you and encourage you to please take this prayer, you know, make them your prayer because they are from the heart of God for us and they, they should reflect our heart also. That doesn't mean those are the only prayer we should pray, but I think those should be the majority of the prayer that we pray, all right? In fact, I would argue that we shouldn't pray any other prayer until we have prayed this prayer first, right? You know, this should be the majority of your, of your, of your time. You know, then obviously you add every other thing on top of that. Those are like praying the kingdom, you know, praying the spirit. Amen and amen. Any questions or any comments before we close tonight? All right. Uh, Brother Brian has something to say. I'll I'll try and make this quick. In uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12, therefore we also pray for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill doesn't add in me, you, us. And the readings I've done in the Old Testament, we are lock, stock, and barrel under the blood in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. But God, speaking through Moses, told the Israelites, I am the one who will establish you. I am the one who took you out of the house of bondage. I am the one who brought you. I am the one. So, I'm not sitting back with sunglasses, shorts, and sandals doing absolutely nothing. You know, the may in Thessalonians 5, may the God, may you, Brian, cooperate with the Holy Spirit and not be a stubborn mule. Mm. So therefore, the Holy Spirit will renew my mind. You know, Um, but it's not by any works that I may boast. It is lock, stock, and barrel. Father, Jesus, Spirit. I'm along for the ride. You know, like you said on Sunday with the hands to the plow. Let's just cooperate with the Holy Spirit long enough to keep our hands on the plow. All sorts of beautiful things happen. Amen. I love that. Cooperating with the Holy Spirit. This is really, this prayer is about cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And we we see God walking through us. Isn't that what uh, Philippians 1, 12 says, right? It is God that walks in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's not just about us trying to do it by our power, trying to please God by somehow by just muzzling all our physical energy and mind and, you know, that leads to failure. But staying in this prayer, in this word, create something internally that we begin to find ourselves fulfilling God's will. Many times without even trying hard. We're just like shocked that we're just in the will of God. We just, you know, our, our taste board, our desire, be, things begin to merge with God. You can't even differentiate between your thoughts and God's thoughts because they're all kind of merged because you're, you're beginning to reflect him. And that's the life of a believer. Christ in you, the hope of glory. My little children with whom I, 
travailing birth until Christ is formed in you. Christ being formed in us, reflected in us. That's the life of a believer. It's not a life of struggling, struggling to greet, to forgive, to, to do the right thing, and you're frustrated because you know the right thing to do, but you can't do it. No, it's him doing it through you. It's no longer I. Isn't that what uh, Galatians 2.20, right? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's no longer I, but Christ that lives through me. My brother, you turn his mic off. <laughs> All right. Uh, my question is from Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. Okay. Uh, the scripture says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a tall order if every one of us will agree that yeah. what God is saying is that for you to be blameless and we being Christians or living in, in this physical flesh, the Bible says uh, the spirit and the flesh war against each other. So I do understand the part whereby you said this we cannot do on our own. Mm -hmm. We it's not by our power. It's not by our strength we can achieve this. I would call it like perfect, uh, what do you call it? You see, a perfection. But the good news is that God is not calling us to perfection. But he's calling us to reflect who he is, uh, which is the love he has shown us. I think somewhere in the Bible, Apostle Paul was saying, as we behold him in the mirror, we become more like him, yeah, something like that. First Corinthians 2. So, but what I'm, my question really boils down to 24. He said, he who calls you is faithful. Even though we think this tax that he has called us to attain, as you said, God is here and he's calling us to meet him here and we're here. Though it might be difficult for us to find that perfection and be where God wants us to be, but the Bible says, he who calls you is faithful, who will do it? So the goal here, or my question is, what is our responsibility or our response to that? Is it just to take that and pray continuously that God help me to meet the mark? As Apostle Paul says, I do not consider what I've attained, but I just keep pressing forward to the mark of Christ. So my question is, is it just prayer or there are other things we could do to really well, meet God at where God wants us to be? Okay. I think one of the uh, scriptures you reference is actually 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? Uh, as we behold him, we are transformed into the same image uh, from glory to glory. Yeah, obviously, uh, it starts with prayer. Everything starts with prayer. But God answers that prayer by sometimes gives us instructions. He allows us to be able to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because this requires cooperation with the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, God sanctifying your, you is to enable us, you know, because we, God knows that. So, the way God works is, and the way grace works is, it's almost like when I give my child 
uh, who is just trying to learn to write, right? How, how do you teach a child to write? You put the stuff to write, right? Then you put the pen in their hands, right? And you hold their hands. You help them, right, to, to trace, right? You even give them a tracing stuff, right? They, they do it, you know, and they're able to do it. They feel very good, right? You do it a few times, then they are able to do it on their own, a lot more wobbly this time, right? And then they get it. I mean, so the way, that's how God works with us. This prayer, first of all, establishes our desire for the will of God, right? Our desire, I mean, without establishing that desire to be blameless, that desire to be sanctified, you know, then how will God even work with you, right? So, so the way God answers this prayer is in multiple ways. Plant you in a church. This is what you want. Wow, you really want to work with me? I'll put somebody in your life, right? That's going to help you, right? I will enable you. I will start reminding you to pray. I'll start waking you up at 12 a.m., right, to, to really pray. I'll start giving you a better understanding when you read the scripture. I'll start, you know, I'll place you. So, but I think prayer establishes oneness with God. It is in place of prayer that we become one with God. Our desire becomes the same with God. And we give, the God, we give God the permission to be able to walk this thing in our life. That's why prayer is the most important first step. That's why believers who don't have a prayer life can really not experience God. <laughs> I mean, because you are, you are really telling God, I, I am not interested in any of this. I can live my life the way I like, right? I can do whatever I like. So it is in this prayer that we establish what we want. And in this prayer, that our, our heart is also aligned with God. Prayer brings alignment, all right? I hope uh, we answer that. So we're going to close quickly. We don't, we're out of time. We're going to close. Uh, I will give a few announcements, and we're going to pray. But while we're doing that, we can do our offering. Uh, so the presentation, we display that on the screen where we are able to give uh, uh, the people online. You can also participate in this uh, Tithes, offerings, and thanksgiving, whatever you, whatever God prompts you to do and whatever God is doing in your life currently, uh, don't forget that, you know, releasing of our substance is a critical part of our worship, and God doesn't want us to come with him empty-handed. So, God is prompting you, please do so, and I know he is, and God bless you as you do so, in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, we have a few announcements. Um, many of them you're already aware, um, Sunday service. We have a few things coming up next week that will be, uh, you know, that will be uh, brought to your attention. Meet and greet this week. I don't think we have meet and greet crowd here. Some of them might be online. We're going to have meet and greet. Yeah, we have a few people that should be in meet and greet. We're going to have meet and greet on Sunday which is an opportunity to kind of chat, especially if you have recently been coming. We've not had a meet and greet with you. We're going to have it on Sunday. Please listen to the announcement. Next week is going to be powerful. We're going to be having our fresh outpouring, command your month, and we look forward to that. Marriage success class start tomorrow. So 
marriage success class. It's about marriage. I think the name is uh, it's clear, right? <laughs> so marriage success class card tomorrow is a class for people who are intending to uh, get married, either you're engaged, you found a person, or you really just want to learn more before you even get engaged. You want to know more about marriage. So that will be there, all right? God bless you in Jesus' name. We're going to pray. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege to learn these things. We've learned amazing words, amazing, amazing, amazing truths, powerful truths, deep truths, by the help of your Holy Spirit over the last four Wednesdays. Uh, We thank you for that, and we pray, Lord, that this...